we continue to walk out, walk through the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith called uh, and we are now in chapter 12. And I think this is just about the only chapter that have one paragraph. So we'll deal with that one paragraph today. And then by next week, we move on to sanctification. And some of you that are Bible students, if you follow the chain of salvation, you you will, you will see that uh, um, Bible scholars kind of do a rearrangement. For instance, if you are looking at Romans 8, it talks about foreknowledge, predestination, then calling, and then justification, and then glorification. Let me repeat, if you are in Romans 8, you see that foreknowledge, and predestination, foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification were listed uh, as the order of salvation. But when you look at the entire New Testament, uh, looking at uh, Pauline epistles and and the other uh, passages, you discover that there are more to these five stages. It's just that uh, Paul was not given an exhaustive uh, list of the chain of salvation. Uh, so some will put, okay, foreknowledge and predestination is always like the top. And then we now have, uh, where do you have saving faith? Where is saving faith? Where is saving faith? Where is conversion? Where is repentance? Before the calling or after calling? After the calling. And then follows by what? Repentance, yeah? Saving faith, saving faith, then repentance. And then? And then justification. And after justification, you now have adoption. Ad, no, union with Christ. Then adoption. Adoption and union with Christ, Christian come first. And again, I've mentioned to you before, this order are not chronological. It's not that today, we went to court and God justified Mr. Damilari. And then they began to work on his papers so that he can receive union with Christ. And then the adoption process begins and then it may take uh, how many years? And after three, four years, he become adopted. And then we now wait for the process, uh, the capsule of sanctification to be injected into his system and then he begin to work in that order. That's not how it is. It's, it's, it's a logical, logical uh, order. Meaning, if one, th- if one is true of you, the rest inevitably becomes true of you. Is that? So you cannot, you cannot be in the foreknowledge and the predestination program of God. I will not receive uh, the effectual calling of God. And if effectual calling of God happens to a man, inevitably, there will be saving faith. And whatever saving faith is found, repentance will follow, will be evident. You can't have saving faith and not having repentance happening in the life of that person. And then there's justification. There will be all of this. So now we are in chapter 12 on adoption. So let me just pass the microphone around. Who can tell us the meaning of 
adoption, like a general dictionary definition of the word adoption. Who can make a try? What's adoption? Don't give me a theological answer now. Of course, I won't mind, but what do you, when you, how many of you have heard the word adoption? Raise your hand. One, okay. okay. What is the meaning of adoption? It's um, when a person is not legitimately a child of a family. Child of a family. The person is brought in to become a child legally. Legally. Uh -huh. um, is there any, other, any person disagreeing with that? So redemption is, we've, we've learned that redemption is what? Is it commercial or legal? Hmm? Commercial, yeah? What of justification? Legal or commercial? Adoption is legal or commercial? Your voices are coming down. Adoption, is it legal or commercial? Legal. Okay. Adoption is, how many of you have seen an adopted child before with your two eyes? One, two. Whoa. Calm down. Are you guys lying to me before the Lord? I don't know if you have seen a child that was adopted. Like this child is not this person's biological child, but it's now their child by adoption. You have seen it with your two eyes. Raise your hand. Wow. I mean, if you have an adopted child in your family, like either extended family or within your family cycle that you know, apart from you have an extended family. Okay, I mean, a few years. Who is an adopted child here? Eh? Deji. <laughs> well. Adoption, in terms of legally adopting a child, still is a challenge in Africa, isn't it? Particularly in Nigeria. For you to walk up to your parents now and talk about adoption, particularly if your, if your parents are of older generation, they don't really understand. So adoption is not, some, it's not a, a street word that we are conversant with. It's not, if, it's not even in our, our normal lexicon. What is, what is your word for adoption? Anyway, you sh I, I learned your, your is deep. It used to be deep. They had been corrupted by, by some. Okay, what is the Igbo word for adoption? Those who are proud Igbo people. Of course, there are some anglicized Igbos here, so they are, they are not really substantive Igbos. <laughs> Okay, what is uh, Alsa word for adoption? Okay, all the minority tribes in the church, what's, what are your languages? <laughs> of course, we are minority now. Uh, Jacob, why are you feeling? We are, we are minority tribes. It, yeah, it's, 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 anytime, anytime you see the word adoption, whether in a Particularly if you, are, if you are reading Hausa Bible or Yoruba Bible or whatever Bible, they are descriptive. What that means is that it's not something that, right from in antiquity, that is, uh, it's, no, it's not our experience. 
it, it wasn't our experience. Way, 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 way back. What was common in those days was that if you have a wife and it's not giving birth, what do you do? If the second one is not giving birth, what do you do? If the third one is not, what do you do? If the fourth one is not, what do you do? And then, uh, let me tell you, this is, not, this is not joke. At the fourth time, the first wife will say, oh, this is not my problem. This, this is perhaps not my issue. So the first wife will go, will divorce you and go and marry another person. And once the first one becomes pregnant, the second one will follow suit. Then the third one will follow. And then the fourth one, if the fourth one hang around, maybe you must be a rich person. Or, and, 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 and. at that point, you may want one of your servants to, to help you. And uh, you can use one of the slaves to help you and then eliminate him later. Yeah, that was the only chance you can redeem your pride or image. I'm talking about African society. And I think adoption does have roots. Well, if the time, by the time Paul was using this term adoption in the New Testament, I don't know how much practice of adoption is, was around, like talking about continental Europe or Middle East. How many of you, let me just check your Old Testament understand. How many of you reading the Old Testament have seen the word adoption? Just if you close, if you have read, I mean, by now, if you are a slow reader, you should be in some. So some of you are even this. Have you seen the word adoption in the Old Testament? I mean, Old Testament. Is there any storyline in the Old Testament that suggests that someone adopted another person's child? Okay. Yeah. Was the word adoption used in the case of Moses and Pharaoh's daughter? Yeah, but, but the situation looked like a... You won't call it adoption because no process. Where was the, where was the baby processed? As the, as the daughter of Pharaoh, you can actually have any baby she wants. You can pick anybody from anywhere. But the idea is adoption because he raised Moses as her own child. But within the Jewish community, the covenant community, any other example? So what I'm trying to, the picture I'm trying to paint is that the word adoption came through in the New Testament more particularly in Paul's writing. And it's something we may want to uh, have an attention. And I want to put two caveats. There is a possibility that somebody is a child here, okay? So if I say something a bit out of, I pray I will not say anything out of order. But this, this is not to remind you of your situation and make you feel bad or whatever. You shouldn't feel bad. If you have been adopted legally, you are a, you are a proper child, okay? It is only in Africa that adopted children are not really seen as proper child, okay? Secondly, if you are considering adoption as a family for any reason, uh, this teaching is not, it's not primarily the ground for adoption, okay? And also it's not to discourage or to encourage adoption, okay? We are teaching Christians 
humanity as adopted children of God. And you can draw other applications, personal devotional application later, but I'm not teaching the doctrine, I'm not teaching adoption so that tomorrow you can hit the road to social welfare to get uh, stuff, uh, get adoption. And this is not to even make you go and say, okay, I want to be adopted by Buhari. Then you now say, I can't want to adopt yours. That's not even possible anyway. So let's read the confession. Okay, how many of you would like to be adopted by someone than your father? I'm sure if there's an advert in the newspaper that Dangote is adopting one million children tomorrow, I will not be sorry. Nigeria, anything can happen in this country. Adults, even family men who want to be adopted by another person. Let's read, uh, if you have the document, 1689, let's open to it. During the APC, I saw this 1689 pamphlet being sold at 20 Naira. So if you were there and you don't have one, it's pure rebellion. It's not rebellion. It's what self. It's not good. Okay? Do I bought some copies by five or six? I'll set them at five for the Naira. Is, uh, <laughs> Pastor Mary approves that. Uh, so. <laughs> All those that are justified, God. What is that word? How do you pronounce that word? Vouchsafe. Are you sure? I've tried to listen to the dictionary pronunciation, but um, they are quite confusing. Sometimes the, the original tongue pronounced as, as like one word without vouchsafe. It's like vast, like you're not here, they see it like. But it means granted. Okay, so. All those that are justified, God vouchsafed or granted in and for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness and enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit the promises or the promise as heirs of everlasting salvation. Now, the, the confession wants to teach us maybe one or two things. The first thing I want to teach us is the what what is what what adoption is all about and the reality of adoption in life of Christians and the privileges of adoption. Let me uh, give you a, a working definition, uh, a theological definition by Samuel Waldron. Samuel Waldron is uh, one of the leading commentator on the uh, a scholar. I have some of the commentary in the office. Say adoption is a change, a change in, uh, in legal status from that of slave to that of son of God, which takes place by faith at the moment of union with Christ. So it's placing union with Christ above adoption. 
just they are happening simultaneously. But one is consequent, uh, but will be publicly revealed at the resurrection. It is an act of God-free grace flowing from the electing love of God and, and Father in eternity and the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in time and immediately confers the spirit of adoption and the privilege of being one of God's heirs as well as the privileges, obligations, and liabilities. Let's run to some, of course, this is not a, a treatment of adoption per se. Okay, let's run to some scriptures. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 to 26. Let's open very quickly and read Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 to 26. If you read one, allow another person to read the second one. There are a lot of scriptures to be read, but let's run through them. Then I'll make a few comments. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 to 26. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. This is just to define what adoption or, and, the, and, and its reality is in the life of Christians. So let's do two scriptures first. Galatians 3, verse 24 to 26. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Galatians 3, 24 to 26. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Get the microphone. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, mm. that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who does hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. I want all of us to read that, this passage together. One, two, three, go. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that, beloved, now, When are we God's children? Now or later? Yeah. What the scripture is saying that those who are believers are called God's children. In fact, another word for I'm um, a Christian is like, um, is, is another word for being I'm um, a Christian is I'm a child of God. Like if one asks you religion, you should feel in that space, child of God. Or, yeah, something like that. And uh, so if Christians are called children of God, what happened to those who are not Christians? 
They are children of who? Does devil create anybody? Who said devil? Okay, give him microphone. How are they devil's children? First of all, I wasn't the one who said it. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm referring now to the statement of Christ. That's it, what? Ye are like your father, the devil. You are quoting where? I can't remember exactly. Ah, that. you should remember that one. Okay. So who is, who is the father of all those who are not Christians? So uh, let, we should not go into that argument anyway. Let's talk about us. All those who are Christians are God's children, and they are God's children by way of adoption. And this adoption is consequent, rests on and in the work and the reality of Christ. The reason why God brings you in and, and make you his child is for the sake of Christ. Alice Sproul, speaking in, uh, about this, he said, there's one father and there's one son. God have only one child. Does that surprise you? For God so loved the world that he gave us his... You know, that only was inserted in Greek. But Christ was referred to as monogenes. He is the only son of God. Every other person that can be called God's child become through what? Adoption. <clears throat> so Christ is our elder brother and it's for his sake that the rest of us are brought in by way of adoption. Okay? And let me quickly qualify this. Because we should be careful how we stretch this to our own realities. Like when you adopt a child legally in our country or anywhere in the world, that child is as your biological child, true or false. In fact, the reason why I didn't adopt a child was that as <clears throat> before I got married, I, I saw some, it, I, I was living in the city of Jos, and I saw a lot of children that were picked from the, from the, from the roadside. In fact, there was one that was picked from Masala St. Juma in my eyes, and I followed it up to the social welfare, and I picked special interest in that one. And I began the process until they asked me, are you going to get married? I said, yes. Uh, they said, no. Uh, because if you marry tomorrow, this, this child will be the, and your wife begins to give birth, this child is, where will be his status? He's the firstborn. It's just that your village people gather and say, you the mad. Where is he from self? If I just say, uh, maybe now your child says, ah, Pastor, come on, Pastor, confess. <laughs> Which kind of adoption? In fact, if I get back to my village today and I talk about adoption, it will take me forever to explain to those village people that this child, it is not me that just do away much and I'm trying to bring the child back into the family through the back door. It will work. Okay. 
but, so, but legally, in our own context, that child is exactly, and the scripture does use languages that say we are joint heirs with Christ, isn't it? We are, we are co-heirs with Christ. But we should be careful not to stretch it to the fact that we are now Christ. Are we Christ? Are we? Some, some section of the Pentecostal church believe, like TBN uh, and co, they believe that once, once, this, once this adoption takes place, you are God. The, the theology of small, little gods is that now that you've been adopted and you are called child of God, you are the son of God as Jesus. So the relationship between God and his son, Jesus, is, is unique. And there are aspects of it that are, not that, are not, that are not communicated to us in our own adoption. I hope that is clear. You do not become Christ by adoption, but there are a lot of privileges uh, that comes by being adopted as God's uh, child. Let's read Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 29, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, 5. Ephesians 1, 5. Ephesians 1, 5. He, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Mm -hmm. Verse 4 to 5. 4 to 5. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child. Oh, oh, verse 4, okay. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of, of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God How many of you, uh, uh, this afternoon I was in, uh, pulling into the parking lot and there are some children on the, that are neighbor's children, they are twins. And one called me daddy. I was like, hey. <laughs> I just look up. I say, daddy care. Rest, yeah? Of course, children sometimes, very young children can sometimes mistake just everybody is daddy, okay? But as they grow, as they begin to grow up, what happens is that everybody knows his daddy, isn't it? And everybody knows their own children. To the extent that if this church were like 500 and your child is crying outside among 500 children, there's a way parents know the voice of their own children as distinct from the, the cry of other children. So we were um, in our predestination, God was giving, God was working. If she's talking about the process, the legal process for adoption now, because we're not just adopted arbitrarily. So, in the mind of God, in the plan of God, uh, when He predestined us to uh, salvation, 
adoption was kind of the major goal of that predestination, we can, we can be legally and properly called God's children. He now sent his son to pay the price for sin, then redeeming us the way you go to social welfare and feel. I learned that it's a lot of paperwork. To adopt a child, it's a lot of paperwork. You will sweat. So God sweat it out and then applies the work of Christ into our heart by the Holy Spirit. So legally and properly adopted. Then let's look at the privileges of our adoption. Look at that confession again. He may cause uh, to make particulars of the grace of adoption by which they are taken into the number. The first privilege is that you are taken into God's house, into the number. It's like all of you are my children now. Then I went out and then I bring one person in. Okay, hi guys. This this one of your brother now. Okay, I just bring this one of your this one of brother. Treat him as one. Okay, so he he brought us in among the numbers of those who are already uh, his children by faith. Again, he the second privilege is that he now put his name upon them. He put his name upon them. You see that they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them. <clears throat> what that means is that this boy, when you are adopting a child, the child is nameless, the child is a nobody, now you are putting your name on them. So you are not going to say John or, or James Abutu and then put A in brackets. Adopted. No. It's, if it's James, it's James now Abutu. Full privilege and liberty. It means they can own TV. Yes. If you live in a house where you know, there are some people that have children, other people's children in their own. And apart from their own children, other people's children live less they can't carry, even other people children can't carry a remote. They look at, they, I don't know what happened. Even if, even if you are saying nothing, they can't carry a remote. Other people children cannot go to the fridge anyhow. Hmm? They cannot go. But your own children, whether you big them 10 times, not to go to the fridge, they will go to the fridge. You see? But this person now adopted have full liberty and full privilege. All the privileges of a child is given to us. And one of the privileges that he now puts his name upon us. You cannot call yourself Abutu Jehovah. And you will not be wrong. I am a child of God. His name is on me. And he said, and we receive the spirit of adoption. So there is some there's an inward reality of the spirit of God in our hearts. Uh, and then have access to the throne. So we have, because we are united with Christ and then been adopted to God's family, he gave us his spirit. And then we now have access to the throne of grace with boldness. We can now ask God for anything without shame. The way your children walk up to you and ask for ridiculous things, like my son wanting to buy him a car uh, on his birthday. Very ridiculous. But I'll be angry. I mean, I'll be happy, though. Let me cut. Now he has changed it to laptop. <laughs> you know, children ask their father all kinds of things, isn't it? Yes, they ask their father. So as a child of God, you, just, you have access to prayer. The, the ground by which you can pray to God is that you are God's child. 
if you're not God child, what is what is the purpose of praying? What ground is criminal for you to pray to the God that is not your father? It's like you wake up in the morning and another person's child, your school uniform, appear by your door and say, Good morning, sir. I'm in GS1. Where's my school fees? <laughs> Do you understand? Where's my school? Yeah. He cannot just come and ask for school fees. Why? Why? Even as rich as Dangote is, can you just go to him and ask for rent, for your husband, and say, Mr. Dangote, my husband is due? Hmm? If you want him to pay your husband, you go by way of what? Begging. You write later, you give stories that uh, actually I used to have my father, my father died by aircraft. You know, you start giving stories, 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 and then I say, Now my landlord is a. Uh, pity you. But this one, you are a child of God. You have legal rights to enjoy all the benefits that is in Christ Jesus. Then they are enabled to cry, Abba Father. There's an enablement by the Holy Spirit in them. They're called Abba Father. Like, how many times have you been to a family where the parents are teaching their children how to call them daddy and mommy? Huh? Did you, how many of you learn to call your father daddy and call your mother mommy? Felix, you are not responding. Where, where, where in Surinale were you taught how to call your father, father? You somehow instinctively, children just start calling their. If I even the, just maybe eight months, ten months, depending on their fasting, dada, dada, dada. That's just it's in built. Ah, children know the, they, they know their father, they know their mother, they know. So as a Christian. It's not something is, that is forced on you. It's okay, now, let me write it. God is your father. Claim it now. Now I claim it. I claim fatherhood. God, you are my father. God, you are my father. Whether you like it or not, you are my father. You created me, you are my father. I, I, and I must possess my possession. It doesn't work like that. If God is your father, you will know it is, it is, it is inward. It's an inward reality that when you are saying, Father God. We are not just repeating is is a, 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 a religious cliche. We are really you know he's your father. I say this sometimes with tears that when I'm when I'm praying and I'm saying, Father, is as good as I'm calling my own dad here on earth, say Baba. And the language that the scripture is not even father, it's Abba, Father. And you must the, the you must look at Tim Keller treatment on the word Abba Father. It's, it's, it's primal. It's, it's, it's basic. It's, it's primal. Abba, Father. Like the way toddlers just call Dada. It's like that. That with your oil hands and everything, you are just approaching Father, Dada. Whether you are wrong or right, it's Father. You are always it's your Father. That is the privilege you enjoy. You are you connect to God like this, as if you are somebody. And then they are pitied, protected, provided for. They are pitied, protected, provided for. I like that uh, alliterations. Let's turn to Psalm 103, verse 13. I'm jumping some scriptures. You already know them. Psalm 103, verse 13. 
Proverbs 14.26. Other persons that I have not read today. Psalm 103 verse 13. Mm-hmm. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Proverbs 14.26. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, mm-hmm. and in his children will have a refuge. Matthew 6, verse 30 and 32. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, we, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Yeah. Or what shall we wear? For the, gen, for the Gentiles speak after all these things. And, yeah. and your heavenly Father, Father knows that you need them all. Yeah. I've not, in my little experience as a father, I've, my children have not met my mom and say, Dad, you are worried. Uh, and I'll say, okay, what? They say, uh, what are we going to eat today? How many children ask their father that question? Huh? Even if they, even, yeah, even if they, even if they've they finished the milk, they believe that you have money. Okay, how do you explain? Of course, there are some circumstances where parents explain to their children that I'm broke. Eh? Of course, there are some because there are some people that use their children to beg, isn't it? Uh-huh. But normally, how many of you will sit down and explain to your children that I am broke, therefore X Y Z? No, they shouldn't believe that you have money. To buy them aeroplane self. Yes. They, they knew that they were, when, <laughs> when, when we came here newly and we we're driving past this school, my children said, This, this, this is the school they want to attend. This one, this Z Blooms Academy. They said, They want to attend this one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't even know how much they pay. I don't know how much they pay at Blooms. I don't, and I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But actually, they don't even know that sometimes when they are eating, you have not eaten. Okay? They just tell you that milk is finished. <laughs> they tell you water is finished. <laughs> you said that. And you care. And of course, our children now don't really know what they call hunger. In the days of famine in this country, I know the length parents will go to make sure there's food on the table. There was a time a pastor came to my office, I will not mention his name, and he said, go and buy me granite and coke. And I bought for him. And he finished, and he said, in the house, it is only children that have been eating for the past three days. All the adults drink water. Because there is no... When you go to their house, 
the children are just playing carefree. But the father must provide. So as, as God's child, God provides for you. He protects you. He protects you. And then he pities you. Ha! See, the reason why God has not killed you and even allow your, your nose to shrink is pity. When you fall again, 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 and disappoint him, it's like, the reason why parents don't kill their children is pity. Yes. Even when you flood your child and it's crying, all of a sudden, the, the, the pain transfers from the child back to your own heart. You don't want to see them cry. Pity. So, no parents have given to their children as their sinfulness deserves. And parents always give excuses for the sin of their children. Both their young children and uh, even grown-up children. It's the children of other people that are bad. You cannot convince a woman that her children are wayward, even when they are wayward, actually. She will protect them. She will defend them. In fact, you don't have boldness to go and meet a woman and say, and give the, the, the catalog of his children's sin. There will be a problem. There will be a problem. He protects him. And then another privilege is that he chastises those who are his children. It's a privilege. Punishment is a privilege. Hey. The Bible says, if you are, let's read the, uh, I think it should be Hebrews 12. Turn to Hebrews 12, verse 6. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For the Lord dis disciplines the one he loves mm -hmm. and chastises every son whom he receives. He receives. So discipline, the discipline of the Lord is a privilege. Bastards are not disciplined. They are outside the realm of discipline. It's also, it's also a sign that you are his child. How many of you carry cane in your car in case you, you find wayward children? How many of you are looking for wayward children to collect? How many of you? Of course, if you live in a village where houses are built together, the Lord is seeing villagers chastise other children that life are lived communally. Do you understand? So that when I cook food, you are sharing food down to the fourth house from your house. You are sharing, and then there's, there's a community. So you want to make sure this one will not spoil your thing because you are, you are living together. But if you live in a city where your house is fenced, Waiting concern you concern the child of uh, another person. You could land yourself in jail. Trust me. If you flog another person's child, you may land yourself in jail. The reason why you discipline your children is that they are yours. They are yours. And your neighbor cannot see you and say, Papa, why are you beating your child? You call him a busy, uh, busy birthday. It's your child. It's your child. Of course, Children, you child right. <laughs> the world is changing now, and there are some. If you beat your child to a particular level right now, you may fall into the hand of uh, of the law. And I think it's not even correct for a Christian to beat up a child to the level where the police have to kind of uh, come in. You become abused. Abuse and discipline are not the same thing. When you now put pepper in a child's private part, that is not discipline. When you flog the child and the child lost, uh, lose uh, uh, an eye, that is not discipline. That is wickedness. 
when you beat up a child to the extent that they have to call ambulance and treat 12 lashes of, of cane at the back, that is not discipline. That is wickedness. You cannot run to the scripture and say the book of Proverbs say beat up a child. Correct? No, 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 no. Beat. I mean, some parents say, the Bible says use rod. Because the Bible uses the word rod. Say the rod of correction. Hmm? So go and carry a full and rod now. And then you're beating. No, no. Be careful. But discipline is a privilege. It shows that you are God's child. But you are sure that you ne you, the Lord will never cast you off. We've learned that in our, we are going through the preservation of, uh, of sins. You are God's child. You will not cast you off. But I've seen parents who say, you're not my child again. I, mean, I, I, I don't know how many of you have heard that before. Out of anger, they say, you're not my child. Go and look for your father. Or, Mama, uh, Shinde, she, this is not my child. Now lie. When the anger is down, you know where your child is. No? If I, some parents will call police on their children. But when, they, when they've arrested them and then they're going to prison, the same father will go and hire a lawyer to defend the child that he reported. Because now, blood is thicker than water. Okay? And then they are sealed to the day of redemption. That's what word John is saying. And that's what John, first John is saying. Even now, we are God's children. But the, the manifestation of the entire implication of being the child of God is still ahead of us. That on the day of redemption, on the day where our, when our salvation will have full effect, it is, it is beyond thought what we are going to be like. And what Christ, those who are God's children are going to be like when Christ comes back is out of this world. It has not come to the mind of man what God has prepared for his children in eternity. Amen. These are, are privileges and, uh, and so on and so forth. I've run through this uh, study very quickly with you. But let me just uh, pause for one or two questions or contribution. Then I'll bring some point of application to you. Any question? The study is getting closer, it's getting home. Eh? And I just a Christian running around, you are God's child, and then you have been brought into the family of God, the church. But the church is a visible manifestation of the reality of your union with Christ and adoption. We'll go into that next time. It's, 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 it's so personal and it's uh, very close to uh, it's very uh, close home. That we are God's children. It's an amazing truth. No question? Good. Any contribution? This one is quite straightforward. Okay, uh, bro. Lanso, can you please? Co question or contribution? Contribution. Um, please. Just quickly. Yes, quickly. I think the, there's necessity to always um, teach the doctrine of adoption because it will help reduce the idea of so-called father in the Lord, father in the Lord. We should be careful to know that God has no grandchildren. Who could father God's children? So we are all his children. Um, you're a pastor standing over there, older than me in age, and probably you've lived longer, 
a longer life as a Christian. But I'm very much a brother. Very much equal between the eyes of God our Father and the eyes of Christ who's our firstborn. So that's that is that's true. Because the more we use this father in the Lord, father in the Lord, father in the Lord, father in the Lord, we begin to lose sight of the fact that God is our father. And then you are now looking at a man whom is now larger than life, that you dare not even speak against him, whether he's doing something wrong. Respecting your pastor is not the same thing as making him your father. In fact, Jesus says something remarkable in the New Testament to the disciples. He don't allow anyone to call you father because because that's in heaven. So very careful. Even when we and this is not, this is not even demean, demean the office of the uh, Catholic fathers, uh, Reverend Father. Sometimes I used to think, what does that really mean, Father? The, the, the only reason why a person can be referred to as a father in the faith is, is by way of, um, not by way of a title, it could be that if, the, by way of his spiritual investment in your life over time. So, the, so, so that when a man has labored within the community for like over 30 years, all of you became Christian through his ministry, he has labored to disciple you, he could allude to the fact that you are his children in the faith without injuring the fatherhood of God. But when a man that has not even won a single soul take upon himself a title of father, father of what? It's a dangerous thing. And some of you that want to be pastor because you want people to call you daddy, you are, you are just going and look for work. Yes. See, do you know people become pastor for some for useless reasons? I have mentioned one to you before. The man said, this idea of pastors eating rice and chicken during wedding, you know? Any occasion, they say, all the men of God in this house move to... <laughs> Why the rest of you, Joshua is yawning, yawning. He will play keyboard, keyboard no enter, he's just waiting for item seven, but pastors are in the pastor's office eating. And they are meet her like this. Eliezer, don't forget, on your wedding day. <laughs> because I say, I say fatherhood, fatherhood of uh, God is our father. <laughs> uh, Josh, you are in charge of that pastor's food. Uh, should be in the cooler. Uh, probably Samu or Panadayan with a goosey uh, and goat meat. That is for the men of God. <laughs> Damilari and Co can eat uh, chicken, you know, small chicken. <laughs> yeah, but we say, as I want a pastor to wear this uh, collar, and I, I, I'm, I'm giving an example of those who I've met. You see, the day I put that collar in my neck and take picture, if, if, I don't, if I'm not able to the following day, I'm fine. I want to put that enlargement in my parlor to have that, that cassock one. And there are some persons I want to call, be, call daddy. Daddy, sir. Daddy, sir. Daddy, sir. Daddy, sir. And then as you are coming, somebody is carrying your anchor chief. Uh, Jacob is carrying your Bible. Another person is carrying your water. That man is carrying your coffee. You, you, only you. And then they are following you like this. Sometimes it's like, it's cool actually. That as a pastor, I'm walking through the Sun City. Five men are following me at the back. And if I need my, if I have somebody carry your phone again, like your phone is in the hand of a, who I trust most, they are not. <laughs> now that they are there, the pastor's messages. <laughs> yeah, and we should be careful. God is our father. God is my father, and God is your father. 
God have one son, and that is the point Alshus Pra was making. There's one God, there's one father, and God have one family. God does not have families. Have one family. And in that family, there's one son. And the rest of believers are brought into that family by way of adoption. And with, with us and Christ, we call God Father. Thank you, brother. So for that. Uh, uh, any other question? Question? What is your question? Shouldn't be a troublemaking question. I'm just curious, like the Holy Spirit, where, what is the place of the Holy Spirit in the family of God? Like God the Father and God the Son was the Holy Spirit. Okay, if, if Jesus is the Son of, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. I don't know, understand, I, I didn't get the question. What, what is he saying? Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> Another question, please. <laughs> the spirit proceeds from the father and the son. What confession? What is it? Chalcedon? Is it Nicaea? No? You've been coming to this church for like up to one year now. If you buy Coke for a chair, he will help you. <laughs> what are you friends for? So you guys just go to city mat to without thinking about scriptures. <laughs> I'll stop you guys from that city mat soon. Yeah? Any other thing? There are some deviant sections of the church that believe that Satan is the firstborn of God and Christ is the junior, uh, the brother of Satan. <laughs> Lie. My few points of application. And this is like a homework. Go and look at this idea. How many of you have heard this word? The universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. Raise your hand if you have heard that word before. Fatherhood of God. Okay. Actually, it's not a biblical idea. It's from a liberal, uh, liberal theology where they are saying that let's look for a common denominator between Christians and non-Christians, that God is our father. Biblically speaking, God is not the father of unbelievers. Due to our lost prayer, our father. And this is very instructive. In Judaism, precisely the Old Testament, there's no prayer in the Old Testament that begins with the word that calls God father. It is Jesus, when he came here, that kind of clearly introduced the idea that God is the father of those who belongs to him. And in all of his prayer, he, he called God father. And God on three occasions referred to him as my son. So God is not the father of Muslim, of Hindus, of but we can, like the issue of natural generation, like, okay, who created everybody? You can say God, okay. But when we're talking about redemptive reality, God is only the father of those who are in Christ, who are born again. Yeah. And, um, and that's where I, it's an encouragement for us Christians. And because I know many of you are coming from a different background where 
your 15, 20 years in church, you've not heard the word adoption. You've not heard the word justification. You don't really know the depth of your relationship with Christ. You're not just a Christian hanging around, moving around, doing, you are a child of God. So when you are being tempted to commit sin and to misbehave, remind yourself, and I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And there's a, a behavior, and at the last line of First um, John 3, verse 1 to 3, he said, he, anyone that has this hope in, a, in him, purify himself. I don't know about you. All of you that are proper children of your father, there's something called, do not forget the son, the, do not forget whose son you are. Do you know how sad your father will be if the school gives you, I remember I, I went to Jesus Galiki area 10. My daughter is there. And I met two girls crying. And I went to consult. What happened? One girl has stolen a thing from her auntie. Uh, stole, a mon- stole some money from her auntie and bought some some stupid things, and I asked the other girl to, witness, to go to the auntie, to follow him to the house and tell the auntie that it was school that gave them the bag. And the auntie was, I said, huh? government, government school now give people bag. And she was curious and came to the school to thank the principal for sharing bags. To, and the principal said, bag, <laughs> we they share bag. My child came to the house with bag. And they invite them. And the parents were so embarrassed by the fact that her child is a thief. So she left the school and was driving out with tears that I have a thief for a child. And guess what? The child now told me, I can't go home. (laughs) I can't go home. How many of you can steal in school and your father knew about it and you can just come back home with your two hands in your pocket? Except your father is a drunkard. And the children were crying. Crying. They have disappointed their parents and the school. So the school expelled them. It was direct. Ex- just, just the letter was in their hand. Expelled. Straight. Straight. And one of the parents was even a director in the Ministry of Finance. And I was surprised what the director, what, what the child of a director doing in a public school and have a thief for a child. And I wanted to intervene, and the principal said, No, when it's, when it's stealing, it's exp- we, we, we expel. Is that the student forget, they forgot the family they are coming from. Sometimes children steal not because they even need that thing. They just steal because some sin is working in their head. Most of the things we do against God sometimes are the things we don't really need. We don't really need. Our Heavenly Father protects us and provides for all our needs. God is not obligated to attend to your excesses. God will make sure there will be clothes on your back There'll be food on your table, and you enjoy protection that are caused to his sovereignty. 
God is not obligated to give you 10 cars, 20 cars. Your, your quest for wealth and riches are just your personal business. And it will get you into trouble one way or the other. Don't forget you are a child of God. We are losing that today. People prefer to call themselves Christian because if you say I'm a Christian, it's broad. This word, I am a believer. I am a child of God. is is going out of our Christian use. And we should get back to it. Your father will be thoroughly disappointed when we are not living like his children. And he will chastise us. And trust me, you don't want to know the chastisement of God. How many of you have been flogged by your father before or mom? How many of you like it regularly? So this is therapeutic. Let me, let me try it again. You will not even... <laughs> oh, yeah. My own dad will not even flog you. His mouth is enough to kill you. If my father speaks to you, eh, you prefer he flogs you than to speak to you. Proper father. Proper father. So God is your father. And of course, the charismatic Pentecostal took it too far. When they say, my papa owned the land, Jesus owned the land, no place for the devil here. My papa is half truths actually. There's another one they sing, uh, I know go back for God of miracle, now my papa owned God of miracle, now my papa owned, and so on and so forth. These are half truths. But there's a measure of truth in that song. That Christ, even when you think you are suffering, God is looking, God is taking care of you. Okay? That suffering will work out some good things in you. The way your children, I mean, some of you that trek, they was saying was telling me that he used to go to, so I used to think that he was uh, an Ajabota. He said, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not that Ajabota. And to prove to me that's not Ajabota, I said, I used to go to Army, is it Army Secondary School? Somewhere in, uh, uh, around that army barracks in uh, Metama side, and they live in Kubwa. And he even told me that one day he slept off, and, and the vehicle took him down to Day Day, and he had to trek back from Day Day back to Kubwa, you know, that kind of way. That's in the days of no mobile, no serious mobile phone. Can you say the parents hate him? Is that hatred? No, they were, they were helping him to be strong. And he can look back today and, and, and thank God that he went through those processes. Some of you that never trekked to school, there are some experiences you don't have that we that trek to school have. Private school is a disease actually, but you know that. So God is your father. And you don't have to be ashamed. Be bold and, and, and be proud that you are God's child. But your behavior must accord that reality. You can't be a God's child and be a criminal and be a prostitute and be a liar and flout the law of God with, with recklessness. Finally, if you're not a Christian here, consider this fact that God is not your father. And if God is not your father now, he will not be your father at the end of the age when you die. We are God's children now. Those who are Christians are God's children in the now. And it's on that basis that God will open the gate of heaven to them on the last day. If you're not God's children, Christ hinted and uh, confidence follow Christ by saying, child of the devil, in a way, you, 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 you are in Adam. You are in Adam. 
and you are in your sin and you die, the wrath of God is upon you. How I wish you would taste the joy of having God as a father. As a father. Well, that's where I would like to stop if there's no any pressing question. Why are you speaking for him? Why is he shy, a man? Hmm? Give him a microphone. Maybe you are the one forcing into his head. Eh? We don't have shy men in this church. I ask, speak. Speak for yourself. Okay, okay, good evening all. Okay, you made mention of God is not the father of the Muslims and other religions if they are not Christians. And you said a father cannot hold maybe a whip in his car to chastise all the wayward children. So I was thinking of something. I said, what of in the day of judgment? Since God is not their father, does that mean he has no right to judge them? Oh. Who wants to respond to that? <laughs> I shouldn't be the one answering this question. I want to answer that question. What she's saying is that I say <laughs> you don't go around looking for other people's children to flog. So if, if unbelievers are other people's children, what right does God have to flog them? Who would like to respond to that question? Yes, they are now so and then Stafel came. So you promise me I'm giving half an answer for someone to help improve on it. Half answer? It's not yes. an answer. No, it's it's not wrong, but it's half. Okay. I okay. feel because the explanation is too long, that's why. Okay. I just wanted to say on judgment day, God's role being played will be the judge. Everyone comes under him. He won't abdicate the father role, but the role that day God will play on judgment day. The most potent role is him being judge. Judge over everyone. His children or not his children. Okay. The purpose of chastisement is to bring one back to the road. Is to bring one back to, to correct one. So a child that is not corrected is going to face, on the long run, is going to face um, damnation. Even here, a child that is not properly trained will become a vagabond. So a person who is judged on the last day was never a child, was never corrected, was never chastised. So it's not judgment. It's not the same thing as uh, chastisement. Yes, God should. And um, we should be able to separate the different, um, like call it roles or um, titles, basically. Because God is father, he's also king, he's also judge. So, for example, I can be a father now, I have my children that I chastise or punish at home. But if I'm the headmaster in a school or I'm a judge in the court, it wouldn't mean that when I'm trying to mm -hmm. exercise the authority that I have based on my position, then I am going out of line. You know, so God is Father. He chastises his children, and the idea of chast chastisement there is really to bring them 
to repentance to it's more like correcting them and to the end that they come back to him but god is also judge mm-hmm. and as a judge he would do what is right by punishing sinners by sending them to hell and uh, yeah uh, that's that's quite a clever answer yes jacob yeah, just just to add to that um even to the children of god um, on the last day, what he will be doing to us is not chastisement, to be judgment. And he will judge us on the last day beco- because he's a judge and not because we are his children on that day. Jacob, where are you coming from? Maybe you didn't hear what I said. I said of, before you say something else, just. Yeah, just, on, the, on the last day, during. You have to stop speaking now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, finish your thoughts. Yeah, he will judge us because of the work of Christ. It's on that basis that now we become Christian. And it's it's a legal and a just God. I don't know if Yeah. I, I think what, what we are missing is this. We are overstretching this too far. There's no one in this hall that doesn't know that all creation is at the instance of whom? Who who created everything? Who created everything? Who made Satan? You are not too sure. <laughs> Even if sinners are Satan children, God is a father of Satan whose children they are. <laughs> see, see, yeah. By natural generation, we can go, we, we can say God is our God is our father. Okay. There's, there's a way we can call God our father because of natural generation. We're born through natural means, ordained by God. When we talk of our salva- the area of salvation, then we are born again. God sent his spirit into the heart of sinners and regenerate them. And those group of persons are called God's children redemptively speaking. And he, the focus of history, the focus of God's affection, and the reason why God deals with other people is for the sake of those whom he called his children, the church. Okay? And just as uh, rightly said, God is not just a father, he's also a judge and the creator of the heaven and earth. So as a judge, he will bring all things to judgment in the last day and he's still within his power and poor view to do so. I, I don't go around chastising other people's children, but the policemen have right to pick anybody's up, anybody's children's up. Not because they are their children, but because they have the legal right to do so. I think that should suffice. Let's leave here tonight with boldness and joy that I'm a child of God. Write it at the back of your t-shirt. I'm a child of God. Let it be in front of your house. I'm a child of God. When sinners entice you to sin, tell them, I won't do it. Why? I'm a child of the, the way your, your children say, you want, you want a child to do something, my daddy will not, <laughs> my daddy say, that should be your language. Now, so any, any quick thing? So, I mean, because I wouldn't just know how to answer if someone, like the previous questioner, would have asked the question. Use the mic well. <laughs> so, <clears throat> if I told someone that, your explanation um, 
we are we are children of God by the work of re- regeneration that God has done. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be too academic here, but regeneration will connote that we are let's say restored to something that we were intended to be. Mm-hmm. So if that's right, um, if, and if you're opposing that to someone who was an unbeliever, maybe a Muslim, what do we tell them they ought to be or they were meant to be and this is the plan, this is the work of God, restoring them back to what, what, are we, what is God trying to restore them back to? What state? If they see themselves this way, because I could imagine they imagine they were Muslim or Hinduist or Buddhist by birth straight into this world, they were Buddhist. What would we be telling them they were meant to be, that they're being converted back to? Or is their regeneration something that has never occurred before and it was something new God was going to bring to them coming into this world? Um, in, in showing the gospel, you don't go into technicalities of all of these things. You show the gospel to unbelievers that Christ died for them. That uh, if they will cry to God for, for forgiveness, he will save them. We don't know who are the elect. It's not uh, it's not known by the people. Just preach the gospel to every to all our sundry and call them to faith, as if it depends on them. You are not going to say, "Please come to faith." If you think you are elect, or you if you are feeling elected in your heart, come to faith. You know, you push them to repent of their sin. You cry out that God's judgment is upon them if they don't repent from their sins, and then. Show them the way of salvation and all that stuff. Yeah. Of course, you don't go and say, hey, hey, Muslims in this mosque, you are the sons of devil. Hey, this, hey, that's not how you go about all these things. Yeah. yeah. You, you preach with love, with kindness, with sensitivity. At the back of your mind, you know these people, the anger of God is on their head if they don't repent and turn to Christ. And then you preach to them. Amen. Let's pray and then get home tonight. Our Father, we thank you so much for making us your children on the basis of the work of Christ and have given us all the benefit of Christ thereof. Help us to live in this reality and to enjoy it and to and to and to to to, to rejoice and to celebrate that which you've done in Christ for our sake. And help us I struggle with indwelling sin to think about this, to think about your honor, to think about your glory, to think about the fact that you are in your family, to think about that you are in union with your son and you have adopted us. And all the process that you, uh, you, 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 you uh, all the pain you took to bring us to this point that we may reflect on them and that we may fear you and love you at the same time. And for those who are far away from the covenant of grace, Please bring them to faith, to saving faith, in due season, that they may come in into the fold uh, and, and rejoice with us, together with us. Lord, we thank you for tonight, for all you've done for us in Christ Jesus. We are so happy and privileged. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, friends.